0: Hey, everybody. This is Lori Rudiman. Welcome to Punk Rock HR. My guest today is Minneapolis-based employment attorney, Kate Bischoff. She's an expert on work. She's well-immersed in the world of politics. She understands how power works at an organization, and she definitely knows a thing or two about sticking up for the underdog and helping them win important cases. This episode covers some of your questions about coronavirus and how your employer should... shouldn't behave. We also talk about unemployment, Cobra Health Insurance, and Kate's new podcast, which is not necessarily new, but it's new to her as the co-host. It's called Hostile Work Environment. Just a word of warning, this episode is rated E for everybody who's super pissed off at the federal government and Donald Trump for botching the coronavirus response. So if you like two mouthy broads from the Midwest, and I know you do, that's what you're here for, Sit back and enjoy this episode of Punk Rock HR with Kate Bischoff. Hey, Kate, how you doing? I'm doing well,
1: all things considered.
0: Yeah, we are in the midst of what they're calling unprecedented disruption. And if I hear the word unprecedented one more time, I might throw up. I don't know. How are you feeling about the coverage, the world? Are you panicked? Like, what's your mood right now?
1: Well, I think I would consider myself adequately concerned, not necessarily panicked, but my friends, my clients are all have this huge amount of anxiety about all of these things changing. And so I'm trying to... Be concerned about them because I really actually am concerned about them, but also be kind of the voice of reason of what's the next step going to be? What's the next ticker? We're going to make more decisions, that kind of thing.
0: Well, I describe you to my friends and colleagues as the champion of the underdog. Like when they say, who is Kate Bishop, I'm like, she <laughs> loves an underdog. <laughs> like yes, that is absolutely. Your, that should be on your LinkedIn because that's exactly what you are. <laughs> that's just what I believe you're all about. You are an employment attorney and you have a practice, a thriving law practice, literally <laughs> and figuratively. And mm-hmm. you're also all over the place. And you're also a columnist at ERE now, if I'm not mistaken, writing about workforce issues. So people must be coming to you with crazy questions and smart questions about COVID. So what are you hearing from people? What's concerning them?
1: Well, the big one is this new Families First Coronavirus Response Act and the implications of emergency paid leave and what this expanded FMLA looks like. And One of the great things about legislation that passes fast is that it passes fast so that we can get people the help that they need. But also there are huge gaping holes that we're trying to figure out if this particular situation happened, what would that mean? If this particular situation happened, what would that mean? And I'm very lucky that I have buddies that are also employment lawyers who are trying to parse through the language and we share that information with each other. But a lot of the questions we're getting are, should we be furloughing people? Should we be putting on people on unemployment? Should we be at a skeletal crew? Should we make sure that everybody's getting paid? Or I have 499 employees. What does that mean? I have 502 employees. And what does that mean? So everybody has questions about whether this applies to them, what it's going to mean for employees and all that fun
0: God, that's so scary. You know, small businesses thrive just by spit and chewing gum and tape as it is, and then throw in something like a virus economy and the individuals you work with, they must be afraid for themselves, but more afraid for their workforce, or at least that's what I would like to believe.
1: So what are leaders like today? What are you hearing? They are incredibly worried about their workforce. Normally, when we be in a regular situation or even in a slow economy where things are slowing down, we would be looking at doing layoffs with severance payments and going forward because we want people to have some money, etc. Now we're looking at it going we don't care about severance because if we did severance, we would have to do the older Worker Benefit Protection Act, OWPPA notices. We'd have to have 45-day consideration periods and rescission periods, depending on which state you're in. And so we're going to go That's not worth it. Getting a release of claims for an employee is not what we're trying to do here. We're going to take all of that cash. We're going to throw it at COBRA. So these people have healthcare for a while, while they're getting unemployment, so that that is the best case scenario for them. While we try to figure out what can we do to make sure we're able to ramp up when we need to ramp up, hopefully, knock on wood, when we can, or what does that skeletal crew look like for, can we get mail? Can we do this? Do we need to make some widgets in this period of time?
0: Right, right. It's an interesting dichotomy that some people would consider health insurance more valuable than
1: cash. So tell me a little (laughs) bit more about that. Like what's the thinking about that? The thinking is twofold. One, we're in a global pandemic. So we have an illness that we expect a huge portion of our workforce to get. And so if they got that, would they be in financial ruin if they get a bill at the end of it? And so we're thinking, what would make me feel more at ease. One, I have health insurance. And two, even though it's not you know, replacing my salary totally, unemployment has expanded for layoffs in this kind of situation. So I can have something to help put food on my table and feed my teenagers. But the healthcare is something that's going to be very valuable that I won't likely go out and buy or pay Cobra for because I'm more concerned about feeding my kids. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Yeah, it's really altruistic. I think, even though it sounds horrible, if we were in a regular kind, we're like, ah, we'll just pay your Cobra, you know, you don't get any money. People were like, it's more valuable for me to get my money. Well, we're learning that healthcare, particularly in this situation, is much more valuable. God, that's
0: terrible. You know, I'm getting questions that are coming in that are both philosophical and also kind of hilarious. So I thought I would read you the first one that I wanted to share. And it's, Can we sue Donald Trump for negligence? Oh God, I wish we could. (laughs) (laughs) I wish we could. Why not? Why can't we sue Donald Trump? He's the chief executive officer of America.
1: Why can't we sue Mm -hmm. Donald Trump? I don't, you know, I haven't really thought about it. I would be happy to be the lawyer to do that for anyone who needs to be, because (laughs) that would be fun for me. I mean, not only the the latent racism that has been going on, but also the sheer incompetence about not seeing this when you've had months of forewarning. Like, for example, one of my clients asks if the Warn Act applies in this situation because we're doing mass layoffs. And I'm like, you know what? I'm pretty confident a global pandemic is going to be an unforeseen business situation. Yes.
0: I think it's an act of God, however you define God in any capacity. Yeah. Right. And
1: so my client comes back to me and says, well, didn't President Trump know about this months in advance? And so then it doesn't make it foreseen. I'm like, but he didn't share that information with us. So we're going to still say unforeseen. Oh, man. (laughs) All right. Question number one. Can we sue Donald Trump?
0: Eh, We don't know. Maybe. We'll see. Question number two. And this one was my favorite.
1: Explain unemployment. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Okay. So I... Do you not have Google? Yeah. Yeah. I have been very fortunate in my life never to need unemployment. However, when you are unemployed, normally when you're available and able to work, you get unemployment to help bridge you to your next job. And that's the theory behind it. These days, it's if you've lost your job because of this situation, you can go on unemployment until you can find more work or till your work comes back from a layoff kind of situation, the temporary furlough, whatever. And it is maximum by state. It tells you that there's a cap on it. So that cap is going to be different, but you do get some cash for a period of time. Particularly to my state, the cap is $740 a week, which still isn't a lot, but that's more than a grocery bill. So, and hopefully covers your prescriptions too, if necessary, but it is a safety net. It's designed to help cushion the blow of losing your job. So the
0: second part of that question is, the woman who asked me this is in the dental industry. She's a dental hygienist. And generally in a good economy, if someone loses their job in the dental industry, they don't claim unemployment benefits, even if they're eligible because they don't wanna burn bridges with the dentist. So there's some fear around that. Have you ever heard of people being concerned about claiming unemployment benefits? And what are your thoughts about that right now? First of all, how do unemployment benefits impact an employer?
1: Okay. So I can swear on your podcast, right?
0: Oh God, we're rated E for a reason. Come on. <laughs> Wait, fuck that dentist. Yeah.
1: To- totally.
0: fuck that dentist.
1: <laughs> Mostly fuck all dentists. But that I, one in particular, yes. Yes. That one in particular. An employer gets what's called an experience rating where if they have a lot of high turnover and a lot of people going on unemployment, they get taxed higher. So they feel it in their taxes because they've had a lot of people get laid off or fired for various reasons. And because you have that high experience, you pay more in taxes. If you're a dental hygienist and you've been fired, you don't want to claim it because you want that dentist to give you a good reference. Because if you claim unemployment, that hurts their experience rating and they get upset because now they're being taxed more privileged dentist in the first place. So fuck that dentist. Yes, yes. But I completely understand why someone might not want to get unemployment in a regular situation because it is a blow to your self-esteem for a lot of people because you know, now I'm taking benefits that I thought I would never need. So it can be that kind of confidence destroyer if you're on unemployment. I tried to dispel that feeling with as many people as I can, especially right now. So I understand the thinking, but there's nothing to be ashamed of for getting unemployment, for getting a hand when you need one.
0: I love that answer. I think that's absolutely right. And I wonder for those individuals out there who own businesses and pay unemployment tax on themselves, they are, if they are a sole proprietor, but they are also an S-corp, they cannot claim, from my understanding, that unemployment. Uh, Can you get in the weeds on that at all?
1: Not really, because I haven't had a whole lot of experience with that. But my understanding is you don't, in part because you haven't been paying into those taxes. If you have, then it's possible. There's also relief in this new act from Congress for those people who are self-employed, whether you claim it for one thing or the another is a different scenario. But there is some relief out there. We just don't know to what extent it's going to be yet.
0: So the individuals in the public speaking space in which I float in and out of many of them, including me, are an S-corp and we pay unemployment taxes on ourselves if we're an S-corp, but we can't lay off ourselves. So that's the dichotomy. I know it's terrible. It's It's terrible. terrible. So I like the idea that there will be small business relief, but how many individuals out there really want to take out a loan at this point or would even qualify for a loan, right? I mean, these are unanswered questions, but difficult times. Yeah. All right. So I have one other crazy question for you. Someone wrote in and asked, I'm laying people off and I've read the conventional wisdom and I've got a tip sheet and I've got a system to do it. But do you have any unconventional tips? Like, should I zig when other people are zagging? How do I do it? Like any advice
1: that would sound wrong, but is really right. What sounds wrong is not contacting your people while they're laid off. I want you to contact them. I'm not asking you to have them do work. But in this particular time of uncertainty, the extent of which you can maintain a relationship with folks, even though you've laid them off, you can be compassionate in this period of time. I want you to be. Normally in a layoff, we lay people off and sayonara, have a good day. This is different. This is if we're ever going to be able to ramp up again, I want you to have people who are champions for you wanting to rally and come back to your help. So that is my most unconventional kind of piece here. In addition to make, throw all your money at Cobra.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love both of those. Back in the day when I was learning to lay people off, it was right after 9-11, another terrible time Ugh. in our country's history. Right. And I worked in the insurance industry. And one of the lessons that I was taught is never say you're sorry never apologize, never apologize. And so I went through one round where I didn't say I was sorry. And you know, I bump into a wall and I apologize to the wall, right? So I say (laughs) sorry for everything. I'm like, you know, I lived in London. That's just part of my lexicon. I felt like a robot and I felt hollow inside. And so I was like, fuck that. Mm -hmm. If I want to say sorry, if I want to say whatever I want to say, who's going to sue me really for saying I'm sorry? Who's going to haul me into court and say, well, she said she's sorry. There is no way
1: that that's a wrong thing to say. What are your thoughts on that? I 100% agree in this kind of situation. If you're firing someone and there's a chance that racism played a part and saying you're sorry, there might be an admission in that particular situation. But given the dire economic and dire humanitarian straits we're in at this point in time, I don't see any problem of wanting to say you're sorry, especially since we can't hug them. We can't shake their hand. We can't give them a pat on the back because we're physically distant. So, In all of those situations, I think saying I'm sorry and being as empathetic as possible is grade A HR.
0: Oh, my goodness. Thank you for that. Well, I'm curious about your new role as a podcast host, because you've jumped in as a podcast host in the month of March, right into (laughs) one of the biggest crises we've ever had from an HR standpoint, from a human standpoint. So tell me a little bit about what you're doing and what you're talking about.
1: So the Hostile Work Environment podcast existed prior to me. I had been a guest on the podcast the last time around when Mark and Dennis were doing it. And it was one of my favorite podcasts because it takes real life stories about what happens in the workplace. Because you know every HR lady wants to write a book because you can't make the shit up at some point in time. So it takes those stories and then looks at it through, well, what would the law say? What should the law say? What do we want to do as lawyers? And so when Mark decided to go out on his own again. And he wanted to bring up the podcast. And Dennis was like, I am way too busy. And I really like you as a buddy. Mark was very kind. And he came to me and asked me and I was like, yes, absolutely. I'm (laughs) in. I'm in. I'm in. You've been preparing for this your whole life. (laughs) My whole life. My whole life. We're trying to do the same thing. So we have a bunch of COVID free episodes that will drop sometime soon that are the same kind of formula. The, this is a real life story. What happened? You can't believe what this dick did. You won't believe what these people have said. And what would the law do with that? And we're luckily in this very dynamic time, even around harassment law, because prior to this pandemic, California and New York were changing their standards for what is harassment. And so we take a look at what is changing around the law of those kinds of things, as well as telling the ridiculously silly stories that happen in HR. It's so much fun. I thoroughly adore Mark. He is super smart, super funny, and so teasable. That's what you want. Yeah, he's so teasable. And so that I think what is makes the podcast super fun for me, at least hopefully for listeners too
0: one of the things that really interests me is that you are still tackling these meaty issues around the world of employment and employment law. And one of the things I think that happens in a crisis is that leaders forget what they called nice-to-haves and they go back to their old behavior. So I'm a little bit worried about this, right? We've made all of this progress allegedly on diversity, inclusion, equity, belonging, all the issues, right? We've been talking about them and I think now COVID is going to prove whether or not we were really committed to those issues in the first place. What's your take on that?
1: I share your concern. I believe that we're going to have to look at these are things that are still really important to us because it was really easy to be doing diversity, inclusion, equity, belonging initiatives when we were having a really hard time finding people to fill roles. We were trying to be creative in how we were doing all these recruitment. We were taking all of this employee experience bullshit seriously. Now we're coming down to, we can only have these essential people, essential being a horrible term, but we could only have this small group of people. What does that look like? Are we going to say seniority is the only reason we're going to keep people? And if seniority is the only reason we're going to keep people, that means we're letting the people go that we just brought into our workplace. Instead of actually looking at the skills and the things that are important to us as a mission-driven organization, as a human-driven organization, and making those decisions elsewhere. So I'm challenging my clients to, if we're going to do a layoff, make sure that we're not having disparate impacts on our people in addition to what were the skills that brought all of these people to you and then keep those really important skills.
0: Well, that's such a great and fantastic way to think about it. And your colleagues and your clients must just be enlightened because I think the rest of the world is like first in last out. I'm Mm -hmm, like really mm -hmm. having a knee jerk reaction to what's happening or laying off all but related employees like in the restaurant and hospitality industry. So I worry a little bit about that. You know what else I worry about? I worry about this thing that we were talking about Called well being because the things that are going to get us through COVID 19 are eating right, sleeping, not being anxious, working on boosting our immune system. And we're going to have what a tenth of our workforce still working, and they're going to be working longer and harder than they've ever worked before. So this idea of well being just got upended. I don't know. What do you think about that? Well, I
1: had Lucky Charms for breakfast. (laughs) <laughs> what <laughs> lucky charms are gonna so, kill you? <laughs> no, but if I was really trying to eat right, I wouldn't have right. paid attention. To that I went for what is most comfortable this morning. I'm like, oh, there's lucky charms. I right. Yes, I think that's, that's right. It.
0: But you're also not working in a restaurant environment, a takeout environment, where you're exposing yourself and you know running your body down, trying to mm-hmm. meet what little demand there is while well, worrying about your financial well being. So we already, I thought, made some progress. We stopped talking about people who were smoking and who were overweight. And we started in general talking about the well-being of everybody. But I worried that that's going to start to snowball backwards. You know, it's like Sisyphus. We were rolling a rock up a hill. I thought we were making progress. And here it comes crashing back down.
1: No, I agree with you. I think one of the things that my clients have been paying close attention to is Sending people information regarding their EAP so that people still have those resources to help with wellbeing issues, particularly about mental health and the stress. I mean, this is incredibly stressful. I don't know a single HR person who is sleeping more than a few hours a night while they're going through this because we really do care about our people a lot. And so we're worried about it. So our well being is something that we're concerned about and we should be equally as concerned for our folks. And that means, you know, sending them, make sure they have the resources available for these kinds of things as well as stopping a second and saying, are you okay? Do the real life check in with them. Not just the, hey, how's it going? But the stop, how are you doing? Is there anything I can do to help you? Because even though we might be laying off, we still have resources like EAP, health insurance, all that kind of stuff. Well,
0: I wonder how you're doing, Kate, as we start to think about the end of this conversation. Like, what do you need? What, what's going on with you? Like, you've got two boys at home, you've got a busy life and you were traveling and now you're not traveling. So everything has been totally disrupted for you.
1: Yes. I don't think I've come to full terms with what that means that, I mean, I love my house, but I live on a postage stamp in Minneapolis. So it's not the most spacious. I, it's a teeny little house, but I'm lucky that I'm four blocks away from a big Creek and you a know, mile from two big lakes. So that's good. I have the space, but the stopping and checking in on myself has not been something I've been very good at ever. So I think maybe by the end of next week, this coming week where we get more direction on what the law is, and I can maybe ease some more minds with my clients, that would be a time where I can say, okay, let's check in. I think this week is going to be really hard for a lot of people. And once we get through it, we can all take a collective breath. And I am never going to socially distance from my children. So they're sleeping with me in some cases. (laughs) So that always makes me feel better.
0: Yeah, good. I'm glad to hear that. Well, you know, I listened to what you just said about checking in next week. And I think that's fair, right? I mean, we've all got a tremendous amount of work to do, but you can't put that off. And so even just acknowledging how you feel, I'm stressed, I'm anxious, I'm overwhelmed. I think taking that moment to say, this is how I feel is really important. And then also really being aware of asking people for what you need. My girlfriend, Jeanette Brené taught me, what do I need so that I can? What do I need? from my colleagues so that I can be a more effective whatever? What do I need from my partner? What do I need from my spouse? What do I need from myself? And so it's just by coincidence at the beginning of the month, I stopped drinking alcohol. And now I'm like, Oh, God, you know, thank God I did that because my brain is so much clearer. I'm sleeping better. I haven't felt this good in like a year, which is ironic now that we're in the middle of this COVID crisis. But What do I need? I need to not drink so that I can continue to function, right? So that's what I'm doing.
1: I need to go outside. And luckily, it is not December or January, <laughs> I need, but I need to be outside, even if my children are pushing themselves into a creek that is recently unfrozen. So I need to be outside, get some fresh air. I think that's going to be the most important for, thing for me at this point in time.
0: Good. That's really great advice. Well, we won't keep you any longer. We hope you get outside today. And <laughs> Thank thanks you. again for being a guest on the podcast.
1: Thank you.
0: Hey, everybody, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Kate Bischoff. If you'd like more information on any of the topics we talked about, and there were quite a few, please head on over to laurierudeman.com forward slash punkrockhr-101. This episode of Punk Rock HR was produced by Danny Osmond and his team at Emerald City Productions. Danny is helping me to produce Punk Rock HR twice a week during the coronavirus crisis. His team is hustling. They're just doing whatever they can to be of service. And I'm really, really, super grateful. Now that's all for today. And I hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you next time on Punk Rock HR.